Hi everyone, I am your host, Mark Rituero, and welcome to the Mark the Shark MMA Show, where every week we talk about the wonderful sport of, of mixed martial arts. Today we will review both the most recent and upcoming events and MMA news. Each episode, the format may be changed, but you will always be entertained. There will be interviews with special guests, along with special insights on the sport from our guest host. We'll also give our picks as to who we think will win the next uh, UFC main event. Remember to keep listening to the show, because at the end of the show, we will show you, the listeners, how to win a special prize each week. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook for news and latest updates for future episodes. Also, we appreciate any donations from our listeners to keep this podcast up and running. You can make a donation by going to anchor.fm slash Mark the Shark MMA Show. And that's Mark spelled with a C and not a K. Also, we'll be looking for guests to appear on our show along with people who want to act as a sponsor and promote their product and brand. For more information, just contact me on the Mark the Shark MMA Show Facebook page. Also, as a plug-in, if you're looking for a good action thriller novel to read, check out the book called The Cabal. The cycle begins. You can find it on both the Amazon and Barnes & Noble website. It's also available in Kindle format, paperback, and audio book format. If you're looking for a good book for your kid to read, check out the books written by a young girl by the name of Christina Ritorio. She has two books out on the market, both on the Amazon and Barnes & Noble website. Her books are called I Am a Survivor and Invisible Girl. As of now, only the Invisible Girl is available in audiobook format on both on iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining us. Keep on listening. We'll begin shortly after this break. Guys, we're back on the show. Today, we have a very special guest. He is known as Bill, the Knee Pain Guru. He's a lifelong martial artist and an author of several books, including Knees for Life and The Comfort Zone. How are you doing, Bill? Great, Mark. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, so you're a martial artist. Can you tell everybody what type of martial arts you practice? I started out in judo. Mm-hmm. And, um, after my knee injury, I transitioned over to a Russian martial art called Sistema that had a healing component to it. <clears throat> oh, okay. So, I never heard of that one. I heard of Sambo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that wasn't very well known within Russia itself. And it was taught, um, to the Russian special forces and, um, it, it was more of, um, very efficient kind of, if you're exhausted and tired, what is the, what's going to work the most effective with the least amount of energy for oh. effort. Okay. And then can you give a little background on how you became the knee pain guru? Yes. Uh, in, December of 1998, between December of 1998 and May of 1999, I dislocated my left knee a series of four times. Uh, the first one was, was skiing. The second one was in judo. Third time was in volleyball. And the last time was softball. And um, 
my main love was judo and I wanted to do everything I could to get back to compete again, to, to practice martial arts again. So ended up going to the doctor after the fourth knee dislocation and the, the Dr. John Ellis from the university of Louisville sports teams was doing their uh, range of motion test in the knee and basically looked at me and said, well, you tore the ligament in your left knee. You tore your ACL. Um, we could do an MRI. It'd be a waste of money. <clears throat> and a month later, so this was June of 99, I had reconstructive surgery on the ligament in my left knee. Went to physical therapy afterwards. And in my mind at the time, I was like, okay, all the problems I'm having with my knee where it was popping out a joint and I'm ending up on the ground, not knowing how I got there. All of that's going to be corrected and I'm going to be back doing judo like I was before after the surgery, after the physical therapy. And when I finished with physical therapy, I still had lots of problems. I still had swelling. I still had pain. I was limping. I was stiff legged. My leg would get fatigued. I'd be tired just going on, a, just walking. And I, I just couldn't imagine the rest of my life being that way. So I took all that time, energy, and effort that I had been putting into martial arts and training and lifting and running and all the other things and started putting it into studying how I can get my knee back to normal. And that was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So <clears throat> what did you come up with? That, the signaling, it's the signaling. Like we train in martial arts to teach our body to respond a certain way. A person punches at you, they kick at you, they try to choke you or arm lock you or whatever it is. We train our bodies to move a certain way in martial arts. That's part of what we're doing. They refer to it as like muscle memory. And it's really much, it's really much deeper than that. It's, it's a neurological reprogramming of the nervous system. We're teaching our bodies to move in ways that the average person doesn't know or do they understand how to move. And what happens is when we have an injury, a severe injury, like a knee injury, mm -hmm. it, it interrupts this neurological signaling. It changes the signaling in the body and it does a workaround. It does, um, like if you put a big boulder into a stream, the water is going to start running around the stream or running around the boulder and start wearing away the banks of that stream because that's what the river does. And our nervous system is the very same way. When we have this injury, like I had this knee injury, my body started doing this workaround to protect the knee, which meant my hips and my lower back had to compensate for, the, for what was going on in the knee, my ankles and my feet, my shoulders and my neck. All of that was doing the workaround to protect the knee. And what I found 
in my studies, my learning, my education was that this interrupted neurological signaling made my movement very inefficient, very ineffective. So it's, it's trying to get, I'm trying to get from point A to point B, but I'm going out of order. I'm, I'm doing G and H to try to get to B. It was, it was crazy. So as I began studying and learning about the body, I discovered that there was a way that was very opposite of conventional thinking of how to get the body to reprogram itself so it would move efficiently and effectively again. And uh, one of the areas of study that I went into was an osteopathically based style of body work called orthobionomy. And ironically, orthobionomy was founded by a British osteopath who was also a judo instructor. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in, I'm in this class and I'm like in a, in a, in a room, in a weekend workshop full of doctors and nurses and chiropractors and massage therapists. And I remember asking the instructor, cause at the time I owned a computer company I remember asking the instructor, are you sure it's okay I'm here? And she was like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And she got into the whole thing about the, the judo principles mm. that were applied to the body in a way that allowed the body's self-corrective reflexes to engage and, and allow the body to let go of the tension that it was holding on to. Now, I didn't know squat about anatomy and physiology or a, a lot of the, the medical terms at that time in my life, but I did know the concepts and principles of judo <laughs> and I just started applying it and I started getting these really amazing results working on other people as well as working on myself. Sure. And was really fascinated at how my body could let go of tension much easier, much quicker, with a lot less energy and effort than, let's say, deep tissue massage or trigger point therapy or the whole concept of, you know, pushing through the pain or no pain, no gain or pain is weakness leaving the body. You know, we have these ideas as martial artists of how we need to train in order to get better. And it, it permeates through all of society that we need to really push ourselves. And there is a time and a place to be, to push our bodies. But when we're in pain and we're trying to get out of pain, that is not the time to push through the pain. And I found this, concept of principle of introducing comfort to the joint as a way of letting go of tension of moving through an injury an accident uh, or a surgery so much faster so much easier than i ever could have imagined hmm. so could you give like some examples of you know what you do got it okay um <laughs> Yeah, it's all like theory. <laughs> it's like what happens when someone attacks you with a knife? Yes, um, yes. 
uh, in theory, it works great. In actuality, it's quite different. Okay. Um, we have picture a knee joint. You have the gross motor movement of a knee joint is, ex is when the knee extends and when the knee bends. Got it. Okay. There is lesser known or understood movement of the joint known as intrinsic movement of the joint, which is slight twisting, slight side to side, slight forward and back, slight tilting and slight uh, apart and together movement of the joint. Okay. Uh, you would engage this type of movement in the joint. Like if you're trying to get out of a car, you're kind of twisting your body and pushing your one leg to the side while the other's stepping out. And it's kind of at an angle and you're pushing up. So it's not linear. It's not like a, um, like a squat. It's not like a, a leg extension or a leg curl or a leg raise. Those movements are, are very uh, linear. They're gross motor movements. And the movement of trying to kind of get out of a car or pushing yourself away from a table and turning and moving at, at an, like an oblique angle is more of like intrinsic movement of a joint. When a joint gets injured, the intrinsic movement of the joint begins to um, get compromised. It's more difficult to get that kind of um, twisty, turny kind of movement out of, our, out of the knee joint. We feel more stiff. We feel, we feel like I felt like I was walking on stilts. I felt very choppy in my movement. Like there wasn't, a, I couldn't smooth the movement out. And this is what happens when an accident, an injury, a trauma, or, or something happens to the body where it gets injured that compromises the joint and makes it difficult to, like in martial arts, kneel or mm -hmm. uh, pass guard, or um, uh, I'm trying to think other other type of movements, like to do a sidekick kind of movement where you're not doing it linearly. And over time, this builds up in our neurology of the body, the accidents, the injuries, the traumas build up, and it makes it more and more difficult to move more and more difficult to recover because this is stuck in the neurology of the body. Is, is that, did I paint a, a better picture of that? Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Now is it possible uh, for someone, you know, learning from you that they can eliminate knee pain without any drugs or surgery? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now let me qualify that answer before before everybody goes you know you could take care of a torn ligament there there's not all knee pain is created equal which means you could have knee pain and your knee could be you can go to a doctor and your knee could be quote unquote normal like we don't see anything on an x-ray a ct scan or an mri 
So the, the knee is mechanically sound. The same person can go to a doctor like I did and find out that there's something broken or torn in their knee, like a torn ligament or torn meniscus or torn cartilage or a fracture in the bone. Both knees have knee pain, but they're, they're drastically different. So when you're talking about pain, you want to make sure you go to a doctor first, get a diagnosis. And if there's something broken or torn, then absolutely have the doctor and a really good doctor, good orthopedic surgeon from a collegiate or a professional sports organization, take care of what's going on with your knee. After that, I'm the guy you want to talk to because the recovery (laughs) Of that, whether it's post-surgery or you had an injury and the doctor has told you there's nothing wrong with the knee, it's maybe sprained or strained or something like that. In that case, you have a mechanically sound knee, but there's pain. And that pain causes the joint to compromise the movement. Mm. So I'm the guy when there's nothing broken or torn in the knee, the knee is mechanically sound and you still have pain or you have a limited range of motion in the knee. That's where you're talking about the neurology of the body, the workaround that the, the, the knee, the leg, the hips, the lower back going into the brain starts changing the movement to protect itself from the, the injury. Um, in MMA or um, jujitsu, you see this a lot with when you have um, straight arm bars or you yep. have um, uh, shoulder locks where what happens is you'll have something that will tweak in the elbow or in the shoulder and then all of a sudden it compromises the person's ability to extend their arm or uh, pull their arm close to their body or reach behind them or something like that. It's not because there's anything physically wrong with the arm, but it's because of the neurology of what happened when the body went into that fight or flight state, when the arm lock was slapped on that they were fighting to get out of the arm lock that compromised the neurology of the body and caused the workaround because of the pain or whatever was experienced. If you just go into conventional physical therapy and try to strengthen the arm or strengthen the shoulder and you already have a dysfunctional pattern in the, in the arm or in the shoulder, you're just creating a stronger neurological dysfunction because the, the, the body, the brain is telling the arm not to move a certain way because it's going to hurt and strengthening from that place just makes a stronger hurt arm. <laughs> is that so an alternative method to provide people to recover from particular injuries as a, as another, it's another way, another form of like physical therapy is basically what it is. Yes. Yeah. Essentially, essentially. And, and it's outside of, it's really outside of the scope of conventional physical therapy because physical therapy from, um, in my own personal experience and the clients that I've worked with over the past 10, 11 years online is 
physical therapy is there to strengthen what is weak, strengthen what has become weak in the body to bring balance to the body. But if we, if we understand it from a neurological level, the body overnight didn't get weak. The arm didn't get, wasn't weaker before the arm, um, after the arm lock than it was before the arm lock. It wasn't like the muscle atrophied that fast. What makes more sense is something tensed up to protect itself, which created the weaker part of the arm. Something got stronger. The body protecting itself created a, um, the imbalance, not all of a sudden something got weak. Yep, so that makes sense. Is, is it may, are, you see, it's like yeah. we're raising the bridge. We're raising the bridge as, as opposed to lowering the river. Exactly. So if you go back and you strengthen the arm from that arm lock, key lock, whatever it is, you know, pick your joint, knee, ankle, hip, shoulder, elbow. If you strengthen the body from that neurological dysfunctional place, it causes the joint to wear faster. Mm. So your, your method is finding an alternative that counteracts the, the, uh, the body's normal reaction to compensate for the injury. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. Now do you have um, products that help people? I do. I do. I, I mainly focus on the knee. Okay. However, that doesn't mean I, that doesn't mean I only work with the knee. It's just all my marketing is geared towards the knee. And as people get into my coaching programs, the reality, we can't just look at the knee without looking at the rest of the leg without rest of the body. So I provide in my coaching programs, we look at the entire structure. We look at the hips, the lower back, the ankles, the feet, hamstrings, quads, shins, calves, like everything. And what I do is I provide this instructional support by pointing them to videos of here, work with your calf, work with your knee, work with your hip to release the, tr the, the tension patterns that are stuck in the intrinsic movements of the joint to release the tension patterns that are causing that neurological workaround. This is going to be comfortable. And when we do this, now when you get back into your jujitsu training, your Muay Thai training, your boxing, whatever it is, you're coming from a more relaxed functional place. So you asked me about my products. Ha. Okay. Um, I'll land the plane here. I have an introductory product. Uh, I have all pe everybody go to my website initially and take my seven day knee pain reduction challenge. I've, I've uh, mapped out a basically an introduction to my approach that I'd like everybody to go through initially, because I know I'm coming from a very different perspective than anything that they've been exposed to as far as conventional medical model or physical therapy. So go through that first. If you notice a change, which everybody does, whether they're aware of it or not, 
there's a change that takes place in the body, then I'd encourage them to progress to either um, my introductory program, which is the comfort zone, which is focusing on just on the knee itself, or my group coaching program, which takes place in a private Facebook group. And we have two calls per week where you pose questions and I give answers, coaching, guidance, direction, customizing a program for what you show up with. Yeah. Are all these programs just online or can people see meet up with you face to face or I all the programs are online. I am working on some uh, classes, workshops that I'll be teaching in the um, Asheville, North Carolina area where I'm based out. Uh, that, that is in the works for the summer, but primarily I work with clients online. Um, that is actually one of my biggest challenges is a lot of people think that it's like, well, he can't see my knee. He can't see my hip. <laughs> How can he help me better than the doctor or the physical therapist that I can see? Um, and my answer to that is your experience, your body is going to determine whether we're moving in the right direction or not. Ah. It, it's like the, you people, you know, pack the car up and they head to the doctor and the physical therapist and you have someone that they're in front of that are just giving them exercises and stretches to do that aren't necessarily helping them. People have been in pain for months and years and sometimes even decades with the same injury that keeps nagging and returning because the neurology of the body hasn't been changed to um, allow the body to let go of the, the trauma, the injury, the accident that happened. Mm. And, and the, the individual person's experience of what is going on in their body is going to determine if we're moving in the right direction or not. So it, I don't need to see you. I don't need to see an x-ray, a CT scan or MRI. I just need you to tell me what's going on. So we move forward from here. We can't get stuck in the past. I can't change the past. You can't change the past, but we can be present with what's going on in the joint right now and move forward by changing the neurology. Sounds good. Now, are there any like steps to understand how to speed up a recovery after a particular, you know, training session at all? Or yeah, yeah, uh, recovery is key. In, in any time you get to high level um, athletic training, be it professional athletes, be it Olympic level athletes their focus is not so much on the training, it's on recovery. And whenever we train and we push our body, as martial artists, when we push our body, we're essentially moving the body into a, um, a fight or flight state or a sympathetic state. And that's where blood pressure increases, heart rate increases, digestion decreases, you know, all the factors of fight or flight kick in. And when we recover, the body needs to move into a parasympathetic state or a rested and relaxed state. And the only way it does that is when the blood pressure decreases, the heart rate decreases, 
um, all of those mechanisms in a fight or flight state are reversed. What happens, and I noticed this, I noticed this personally in judo, is I would get myself into an amped up state in judo. We would do randori, we would throw each other, we would take falls and stuff like that. And it would take me a long time afterwards to get into that parasympathetic state so I can get a good night's sleep or my body could recover faster. The more, mm. the more I worked with the intrinsic movement of the joints or putting my body into a position of comfort began to speed the recovery with all the other things that I was doing, like um, water, uh, nutrition, electrolytes, um, supplementation, breathing, stretching, like all of those things that all of us as martial artists need to do after practice by incorporating the understanding of how to switch the neurological state of the body just accelerated the recovery faster because my body can now go from that fight or flight state that I was in during practice to that rested and relaxed state shortly thereafter. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, if someone wanted to get uh, your books, like your knee, knees for life or the comfort zone, mm -hmm. where would they be able to uh, purchase those books? Is it just on your website or is it on Amazon or? Uh, I, on my website, you can get the electronic versions of those books, okay. um, eBooks, as well as videos that correspond with those eBooks. Um, and all of my books are also on uh, Amazon as well. They could purchase those directly on Amazon and that's the physical copy that would get mailed to them. Oh, Okay. And then if, and if, uh, where can my listeners get more information on you? And if possible, if they wanted to contact you. Sure. Uh, the, the knee pain guru.com. Okay. And it has all, I'm on there now. It's, it's, they see all the, uh, the group coaching and the self-studying and, uh, the private coaching. Yeah. So it looks like all the information is there if they need to get in touch with you and, for my listeners out there, if you have any other questions, you can use the Anchor app to get in touch with me to leave me a message, and I can reach out to Bill to get an answer for you. Um, I think that's it for today. Uh, guys, we'll be right back after this short break. Uh, Bill, thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, Mark. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, guys, we're back. And now is the time for you guys to learn how to make money. Now, you can easily make money by listening to this podcast by downloading an app called PodCoin. You either your Android phone or your tablet or your iPhone or your tablet. And it's fairly simple. For each podcast that you listen to, you earn points, and then you can redeem those points for either Amazon or Starbucks, or you can even donate it to charity. Now, by listening to my podcast and using this special promo code called MMA Show, that's the promo code MMA Show, you will get 300 pod coins just for signing up and using my code. Again, it's MMA Show, and the app is called PodCoin. 
You can get it from, if you have an Android um, device, you can go to the Google Play Store. If you have an Apple device, you go to the uh, Apple Store. All right, guys, we'll be back. All right, guys, we are back to show, back to the show, and now you'll be rewarded for your patience. Like I said before, if you listen to each podcast every week, you can win prizes. Every week, the prize will be different, but you have to listen to the end of the podcast to find out how to win the prize and get entered into the drawing for the grand prize. In order to win this week's prize, you will have to be the 100th caller to leave us a message using the Anchor app. You can get the AMP app from the Google Store or the Apple Store. This week, we'll be giving away a t-shirt with our logo on it. We also appreciate it if you email us by clicking on the email button on our Mark the Shark MMA Show Facebook page. By emailing us, you will automatically be entered to win a secret grand prize we will be doing at the end of August. Again, remember that each week the prize will be different, and you have to listen to the end of the podcast episode to find out what the prize is. All right, guys, we'll be right back. guys we're back to the show i just wanted to make another quick announcement that next week or the week after my daughter and i will be interviewed on a podcast called a little bit of everything with me we'll be talking about a books that we have published on both amazon and barnes and noble and our new and my daughter's new audiobook so be on the lookout for that guys we're back and now is the time for you guys to learn how to make money now you can easily make money by listening to this podcast by downloading an app called podcoin you either your android phone or your tablet or your iphone or your tablet and it's fairly simple for each podcast you listen to you earn points, and then you can redeem those points for either Amazon or Starbucks, or you can even donate it to charity. Now, by listening to my podcast and using this special promo code called MMA Show, that's the promo code MMA Show, you will get 300 pod coins just for signing up and using my code. Again, it's MMA Show, and the app is called Podcoin. You can get it from if you have an Android um, device, you can go to the Google Play Store. If you have an Apple device, you go to the uh, Apple Store. All right, guys, we'll be back. Back to the show. I got my friend Steve on the line. How's it going, Steve? Doing good here, Mark. (laughs) 
How's your weekend so far? Good? This guy out of Starbucks, you know, rushed home in time so I can be um, you know, on this chat with you, talk about the uh, fights happening tonight. So, yeah. yeah. What'd you think of last week's fight? Yeah, uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest card. You no, know, uh, I believe it was uh, ESPN Plus. So that's kind of uh, my, what was it, $8 a month. A little bit, uh, not really worth it. But, uh, in the Nama Nunes fight. It's looking pretty good. So. I mean, the last pay-per-view fight with uh, oh, just Andre. Oh, Sorry, the uh, Jessica Andrade versus uh, Rose, right? Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts on that one? That right, yeah. What, end of it. With, um, I was at Hooters for that fight, watching the main event. A lot of the guys around me at the bar talking about, oh, Rose, man, you know, she's a master technician. She's like a, a bullfighter, right? And Jessica's the bull. So every time Andrade was coming in, you know, with weighing her heavy punches, Rose would, you know, just throw a jab in, step out of the way. And I dropped her in the first round. You know, it was really kind of light up her face, but all it was over. Second round, Jessica got in on that takedown, lifted her up, and then, you know, Rose has great technique, but there's no technique that saves you from getting dropped on your head. So that was it. <laughs> now, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Everybody's been talking about it the whole week, how maybe they should go do away with the slams. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I believe uh, part of the unified rules, right, was saying that there's actually no uh, spiking on the head is not allowed. Mm -hmm. I believe it's actually um, officially a rule. But I think if you look at it, it wasn't a uh, kind of funny fact, too. You know, uh, Jessica Andrade's um, nickname, Bate, is in Portuguese, Bate, Pascal or something. It actually translates to uh, power driver in English. That's it, really? But I think uh, if you look at the technique, though, I think she, uh, she didn't directly dro drop Rose on her head. It was kind of more of a compression. I don't know if you uh, if you remember the uh, the uh, the replays. Like, uh, they, it wasn't on her neck. It was where on her neck or something. It wasn't directly on top of her head. It was uh, kind of more on the back. So she wasn't okay. intentionally, you know, picking her up, turning her one eighty upside down and dropping her down in you know, WWE style. It was a slam, but uh, I guess it wasn't a direct. It wasn't a direct, you know, spike under the head, which I. Probably why the ref didn't, you know, disqualify her. But you know, it just shows that um, when you have someone who has attributes like Jessica, you know, big punching power, big slams, uh, you can never rest on those opponents for even a second because any time, just like that, they can turn the fight, you know, turn the fight around. Uh, you know? Now, if I'm not mistaken, she was going for an armbar too, right? But that was off the off getting picked up in the head in the air, there, right? She didn't have the armbar, and then she and then she got slammed. She was going for the armbar as she got slammed, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't a straight armbar, you know, like a flying armbar. It was a uh, Kimura. Kimura. Oh, so, and then right. she went to pick her up, but then she didn't let go of it, right? Yeah, actually, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember, but she actually did the same thing in the first round. Uh, first round, you know, Jessica was in for a takedown. Rose locked into Kimura. She was up in the air, you know, completely sideways, but she hung on to it. Jessica slammed her down. I believe she actually transitioned into a uh, straight armbar from there. So if that, that happened in the first round, I guess in the second round, she thought that, oh, I guess, you know, I survived the, the first time around. It should be all right the second time, which uh, was not the case, obviously. So. Mm. Now, do you think she could have prevented that if she tried to do something else instead of the Kimura? Like actually try to sprawl and peel the arm off her leg? Well, I've actually seen. Uh, you know, Justin Dean's right. I think we all, in case you don't know, there's this um, old school MMA fighter named uh, Justin De Dean's Chop. Yeah, he's, Chop. He's, yeah, he's known as yeah, Chop. Yeah, King of the Triangles. And if you see some of his fights, uh, when he lost the triangle on, his opponent will actually try to do, you know, the Matt Hughes, Carlos Newman. Was it yeah, Red? yeah, that's actually what I thought of when I saw this on, on YouTube when I caught the yeah. end of it. 
but he, he keeps the uh, triangle locked on, but he'll actually uh, stick his arm out in the kind of like a little break fall when the opponent's about to uh, bring him to the ground. So that kind of takes a little, that takes away some of the impact. I think with uh, Rose, right, she had, she didn't do that at all. She had, she had a Kimura completely locked on, wasn't trying to break the fall at all. So that might have been, I think that's probably, uh, you know, you're playing with fire when you're doing that. So, yeah, yeah. The, the best slam though has got to be Rampage, right? And Ricardo Arona, remember that one in Pride? That's a classic, yeah. I probably watched that. I replayed that. <laughs> the sequence probably does the times you know, throughout the years, you know, never gets old. Yeah, so- I was actually watching it a little bit uh, a couple of days ago. <laughs> and he got and slammed you- from the triangle choke. And you can't forget the original one, right? Matt Hughes versus Carlos Newton. Yep, it was kind of similar, right? They both they both got picked up when we were triangle, and the guys never let go. And the thing is that with, uh, with Matt Hughes, Carlos Newton, uh, Matt Hughes actually went out from the uh, triangle choke like when he hit the ground. So yeah. he actually went conscious, but then Carlos Newton got knocked out and he let go of the choke and that's when uh, the blood started flowing back into his brain and he woke yeah. up and he was like, wait, I won? Oh, I yeah, won. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. He was choked from the triangle choke, but the slam knocked out Carlos. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Matt was lucky that he was the, uh, the first one to wake up. So that's how he won the belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if you heard in the news about Conor McGregor, right? When he broke that guy's phone, he apparently is not doing any jail time for it. He settled out of court for it. Conor McGregor's a slick willy, not just inside the octagon, but also uh, inside the courthouse, apparently. There's yeah, also yeah. Uh, that. Uh, I believe there's another case. Uh, it happened last year, but I think the news about it, and there was rumors swirling around. Did you hear about the, the rape allegation? Uh, I didn't read up on it, but I did hear that put in there. Yeah. Yeah. But right now he's on a six month suspension when he's trying to come back in uh, July. But only if apparently uh, Dana gives him a little stake in the ownership, supposedly. I don't, know. I don't know if you heard about that. I heard about that. I also heard apparently like last month he was announcing his uh, retirement. That was one month ago. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. They all say that. They all say that. Speaking of retirement, what's your thought on BJ Penn? Should he? Do you think he should retire? He's embarrassed. I believe he's uh, embarrassing himself uh, at this point. You know, they gave him the last fight he had. It was a like Clay Guida. It's another guy I believe around the same age, right? Having made Clay, yeah, Clay Guida was like maybe like two or three years younger than him. Yeah, they're from the uh, same era, though, right? Kind of the you know very yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, they basically it's basically kind of a battle of the veterans. You know, guys who are a little bit over the hill got they got a lot of mileage on their bodies. Yeah, it's not that easy. It's not easy. According to Matt Sarah, he doesn't think BJ Penn should retire. What's the, What's the reasoning? Ah, he's saying, you know, the guy, you know, he's not like he's getting smashed. You know, he's still, you know, he's still hanging in there. But he, he kind of understands, like, how it's hard to retire, like, when, when you're in that, when you're, you know, in the sport and you're so good. And then, you know, it's hard to stop. You know, you're trying to recover that glory that you had back in the day, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's hard to now, let go. Hard to let yeah. go. And then uh, supposedly, uh, Frankie Edgar is supposedly to be doing a title fight with Max Holloway too in USC 240. Did you hear about that one? I actually did not hear about that. Uh, I think the last time I saw Frankie fight was against. Um, he got knocked out by Brian Ortega. I remember that. But the, yeah, 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 that was a good one. Yeah, but yeah, supposedly it's confirmed for UFC 240. So he's getting Kyle Shaw off of a loss, or yeah, yeah, because he lost his last one, right? I had the last one fighting uh, 
picked up by Ortega, but I'm not sure if he had another fight after that. Let me, I'm in front of my laptop, so let me look at that. No, he beat uh, Kamal Swanson. He beat Kamal Swanson after that, so. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, they're confirmed. Him and Frankie Egger for UFC 240. And then um, there's also a word in the news about John Jones trying not to move up and wait to find Cormier. He wants to fight him at his own weight, claiming that uh, he wants to fight regular heavyweight because he he doesn't want to give him that much of an advantage. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I I think he would probably beat him if he went up and wait, you know, because he's so athletic Mm -hmm. and he's a lot younger. But what what do you think on that? You know, a lot of times you see these top-level fighters, right? And for some reason, there's just that one guy that they can't beat. They can yeah, he's got, he's got his number. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just uh, It might just be, like, style not matching up correctly or whatever. Like, for example, I will just go back to Matt Hughes. You know, he's already dominant for a while. But there's that one guy, Dennis Hallman. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he beat him, like, twice. And they right? were just like a, it was a two, it was very quickly too, like a under one minute submission wins both yeah. times. That's just a yeah. guy who, uh, even though obviously Matt Hughes had much more storied career than Hallman do. No, not not taking away from Hallman, but you know yeah. Matt Hughes is a Hall of Famer champion. Hallman was good, but just not on that top elite level. But he just had you know, that matched up very well with Matt Hughes, and he was able to overcome him. And I think that might be the same case with uh, John Jones and Cormier. Now, how much is Cormier weigh when he's at, at, at regular heavy, at not light heavyweight, heavyweight? What does he think he weighs? Like 240, 250? I want to say probably 230. Uh, you know, he's not, I don't, it's probably not 250 because he's about 5'11, I think. He's not one of those like 6'4, those 6'3 guys. John Jones probably walks around at least 230, right? I believe he does, yeah. I believe that's probably the so case. I don't think that'd be. I mean, it's like got 20 pounds on him, but I don't think it'll be that much, that much bigger. Do you think John Jones is, I don't know. I just don't know why he would be avoiding trying to go up, but maybe it's because he knows he's got to, if he goes up, they'll probably give him someone else to fight before Cormier. Maybe that's why. Yeah, because Cormier. Cause he, and then those other guys are a lot bigger than Cormier. So right. maybe that's his maybe that's his, his uh, reasoning, you know. And then did you hear about uh, Gary Tonin? He's now five and L. One FC still in one. Yeah, else? yeah, yeah. He uh, won. Guess what? How he won? I'll give you a hint. Is it the way he uh, usually wins? Or yeah, guess. All right, so he'll all right, he'll hook. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the guy. I, I didn't read the details of it, but supposedly, I guess the guy didn't. Um, Follow the, a normal game plan when you try to go against the leg locker, which would be to get off the ground. You know what I mean? Especially with Gary Tonin. You know, I'm a big fan of those death squad guys. <laughs> you know, being with uh, Team Henzo and everything. Anyway, so what are your thoughts on tonight's fight? For the main card, who do you got? Raphael or Kevin Lee? Right, all right. So both guys, uh, Kevin Lee's finally moving up to 170. Which probably, uh, I think that was going to happen eventually. I remember he had a lot of struggle last time that he was trying to make lightweight, right? You know? Yeah. I'm actually seeing it again. I saw him fight live. Uh, it was against uh, SM Barbosa in Atlantic City. So I actually saw him up close. And that is definitely not a, uh, that's not a natural lightweight. There's a lot of uh, big frame, a lot, of, a lot of muscle pack on that frame. So, and I think at this point, yes, 170 is probably the right, the right uh, weight class for him. Weight class. Yeah. Now, so I you know, I believe he's coming off a few losses. 
having three in a row, right? But it was all, I believe a lot of them are either, it was either title fights or against right. guys, uh, you know, went, up the, went, went on the challenge for the titles. And yeah. it's not like he was getting, he wasn't getting submitted, he wasn't finished, he wasn't getting destroyed, he was just kind of getting outpointed. So I think, uh, you know, I don't think he's done yet. He's not done yet. He's got some mileage. You know, there's uh, he's been around for a while. He's a veteran. I remember watching his UFC debut back in uh, when I was still in college, and this is I want to say about 2007. So, yeah, mm-hmm. over 10 years ago. But I think um, from what I've seen, his last performances, he still has a lot of uh, mileage. He still has a lot of left. So I don't think he's over the hill. Kevin Lee, a lot younger, I believe he's about 24, 25. So even though he's coming off, I believe two losses, one to Al and Quinta, which is uh, upset, and the other one was to uh, Tony Ferguson, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who are you leaning towards, Lee or Rafael? I'm going with Rafael just because I believe uh, you know, Kevin Lee is more of a, he's very reliant on his wrestling, on his getting on top position, and just grinding out the guy. Rafael, he's got more tools in his box. I believe, even though he's wrestling, you know, Rafael, you know, he's not, he was not a uh, wrestler, he's not his base. He's a BJJ black belt, you know, with heavy hands. But he does yeah, have yeah, good stand up. He yeah, shows some pretty good uh, MMA wrestling ability. So I yeah, think he's, he's, got, got, yeah. he's got good Muay Thai, too, you know? Good hands, good hands, you know. Uh, good leg kicks, yeah, very good leg kicks. So yeah. I think he had, even though his wrestling is not, you know, not the same credentials as Kevin Lee, I mean, he has enough to keep the fight, you know, standing with his assume where, because that's what Alan Quinta did in his last fight against uh, Kevin Lee. You know, he stopped Kevin from really taking him down. He was able to outpoint him on his feet. So I believe Raphael will be able to employ the same game plan uh, against Kevin Lee tonight. And then they got on the undercard, they got Antonio Carlos Jr. fighting. I'm not too familiar with this other guy, Ian Eshek. Are you familiar with him? I mean, I know, you know, Carlos is like a former world jiu-jitsu champion. He's like 10 and 2 now. The other guy is, let's see his record right now, 12 and 1. But I didn't, I don't think I've ever seen this guy fight. He won last. Last time it was in the UFC was in 2018. So how did these guys make the? Uh... Cool, well, not that. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, he did win. He won against Caesar Farah, but oh, he won the contender series. So they're probably trying to build him up. He won. The, he won. He's been in the contender series. Uh, so maybe they're trying to build him up. I mean, I'm actually more interested in other than the main event. You got Nick Lenz and Charles Oliveira. That's for, and then you, for the third time, yeah. I've actually that's a trilogy, and it, Charles Oliveira is actually one of my uh, favorite fighters to watch the UFC. Yeah, he's the only, in my opinion, he's probably the only guy that uses the guard offensively. No one really right. does anything from the guard anymore. He's 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 one of the few. I actually can't even think of another guy like lately that I've seen. Even the uh, top uh, BJJ guys that you see in the UFC, you know, Damian Maya. Yeah, he's uh, all top game. He, yeah, he doesn't do much with the guard. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's harder. It's hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we're, we're like me and you, we're more sports, you know, uh, jiu-jitsu guys. But getting punched in the face, it's kind of hard, you know. But, uh, but Oliveira tends to pull it off, you know. He's got good triangles, good arm bars, darts chokes. He pulls it all off. You know? I believe, uh, recently, he actually just beat the... Uh, I think mean, he passed Hoist's Gracie's records for the amount of uh, submissions in the UFC. Uh, recently. Yeah. Cool. And then the, the, even the guy that... There's even another world champion that's fighting before him, Davey Ramos. He's more of a top guy. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's, I think this card is going to be better than the one that they had like two weeks ago, definitely, for sure. And then you got Ed Herman, and Herman's back. <laughs> yeah, he's still around. I didn't know even... Uh... Yeah, he's I fighting know. at heavyweight, dude. Patrick Cummings. He moved up to... It's light heavyweight, right? It's not heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Yeah, light heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. So who do you think is going to get the... Uh... All right, so we got Rafael for the main event. Who do you think is going to win the undercard? Carlos or that other guy, Ian? I actually don't. I don't know much about those other guys, so I'm yeah. going to so. go, go with Ian on that one. Because I think Carlos, Carlos is – he's another guy from this, you know, jiu-jitsu, but I don't think his hands are that great. I'm going to go with the, the other guy. Because if he was on his contender series, I'd see his – Yeah, how's his wrestling? I don't know. I've never seen that guy fight, but I'm assuming since he's he's probably more of a modern day MMA guy, whereas Carlos is, you know, kind of like a jiu-jitsu guy. Like he tries to go for like leg locks, but he's not as good as like Gary or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna give Ian, and I'm probably gonna go with Oliveira again. Um, Did that, you see their uh, previous two fights, uh, Oliveira and Lentz? Yeah. Yeah, who's won? This is their third time, right? Right. Uh, the first fight they had was uh, very early on. I believe it was uh, Charles was his first. Uh, I think it was his third, right there, fourth fight in the UFC. So he was, uh, I want to say, early twenties, very early in his career. And uh-huh. yeah, he actually uh, he submitted like Nance with a rare naked choke, but there was controversy because right before the uh, choke, he actually threw an illegal knee that rocked him. Uh-huh. Why, yeah, re- All right, so they had a rematch. All right, Steve. So, what you were talking about with uh, Oliveira and Nick Lentz? Who won the second? Right, I was talking about how you know Nick Lentz, Nick Lentz shown some improvements since moving the ATT with his hand. Uh, you know, he's better, but I just don't think it's going to be enough to uh, you know take him over. You know, for him to uh, pull out the win this time around. Charles still's got better hands, still got better submissions. You know, this guy every look at when you compare two fighters, Charles is stronger, except maybe wrestling. Because I believe Nick Bluss has that. He's a division. He, he wrestled for the uh, University of Minnesota. So he has that division one credentials. But, you know, Charles has actually, even though he's a guard guy, he's very good at guard, he actually has pretty good uh, MMA takedowns as well. So I don't think the, the advantage, that small advantage that Nick has in takedowns over Charles is going to be able to uh, you know, give him the win. And you think about it, even if Nick takes him down, he's still not out of the water, right? If he's in Charles' guard. So, exactly. Uh. So, yeah. So you're you're for for Charles on that one, right? I'm gonna have to go with the the Bronx, you know, three and zero in their trilogy. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm calling it right now. <laughs> all right, um, all right, guys. I think that's it. Uh, we'll be back after this break. guys we're at the end of our show this is mark retorto i'm signing off and don't forget to follow us on our facebook page it's called the mark the shark mma show and it's mark with a c not a k and also feel free to leave us messages by using the anchor app and also don't forget if you look in a mood for a good action thriller book to buy my book called the cabal the saga begins it's available on amazon and barnesandnoble.com and if you need a good book for your kid get the I Am Survivor book or Invisible Girl book written by my daughter Christina Retorto, also available on Barnes & Noble 
and Amazon.com. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and continue to listen to our shows every week. Thank you.